Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Our Inner Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me once again is my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Delighted after that three points at Turf Moor. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Massive result. 1-0 win over Burnley. We're, we're recording about half an hour after the game. Um, ugly game, not a great performance, but huge, huge, huge to get three points. First of the season after disappointing results against Spurs and Palace. We'll come on to the game and we'll chat uh, about who played well, who played less well, um, and then look ahead to the games to come. Before we do that, Jack, Saturday night, what are we drinking? I've got a lovely cold Atlantic Pale Ale from Sharps Breweries. Oh, sounds nice. Sounds very nice. It is I'm- very nice. Tropical and refreshing. It is. It's going down very, very, very well. Well, I am drinking one of my all-time favourite beers. It is what? Big Wave, Kona Brewing um, from Hawaii. It is, yeah, one of my all-time top five beers, I'd say. Um, really, really, really good. Uh, recommend it 100%. You will not be disappointed. Hopefully they send you a crate then when we tag them on Twitter. Yeah, when That's we tag the them on idea, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Free crate. Yes, please. Um, so... The game, we yeah, as as mentioned, we're recording shortly after um, our first three points of the season. Huge to get off the mark after being beaten by Palace, and then the second half capitulation against Spurs. Danny Ings, I mean, who else with the goal? Five minutes in, um, nice little link up. Walker Peters into Adams, who then cut it back, and a little bit of a kind of strange finish, almost kind of came off came off his toe, but found the net. Um, yeah, Jack, what, what were your kind of immediate reactions on, on the result, on the performance and Ings on the score sheet again? I mean, I, I um, put on Instagram this morning that it was all about the result tonight. I think, you know, we've had some disappointing performances and results, but tonight was just about getting some points on the board. Um, and in terms of the actual performance, I... I'm not ashamed to say that I've sat in front of the TV all day today and I watched Brighton United, Palace Everton, Brom Chelsea, and then that that game just then. It wasn't the best game, was it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, that second half, genuinely, probably two two things happened in that second half, but um, absolutely buzzing to get three points. It just feels like a massive just weight off the shoulders of the players that yeah. they can just have some points on the board, especially we've got West Brom next week and then the international break. If we lost tonight, which, you know, as, as the game was going on, it was 1-0 and I saw you tweeted it out. I think we should have potentially t- took the game by the scruff of the neck a bit more and took advantage of, let's be honest, a very, very poor Burnley team that was struggling with lots of injuries and tried to put the game out of sight. We did try to manage the game a bit more, which, you know, we came away with three points. So I'm not knocking that, but definitely near the end, it was a little bit shaky. Danny Ings... That, that finish, like you said, it was it was an odd one, but it was one of those ones where when you're on fire, that those go in. I wouldn't be surprised if that came across to Shea Adams and it was the same. You know, he's he's got that kind of unlucky nature of his game at the moment, which he might have hit over. But yeah, brilliant play. What did you make of that that first opening goal? Yeah, I mean, just some stats on Ings. No player has scored more Premier League goals since the start of last season um, than Danny Ings. He scored almost 50% of our goals. We know how crucial he is to us. And yet again today, he's the match winner. Um, There's 25 goals in 41 games. 
uh, and it's third of the season already. So in terms of came came close to the golden boot uh, last season, couldn't have wished for a better start um, from him for, for him from a personal point of view mm. to get on the score sheet um, again today. You mentioned Burnley um, and their injuries. I mean, our bench is not the strongest, but you look at their team. And the team sheet came out and I just thought this is the most Burnley of Burnley 11s I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, you read through some of the names and it's just like, this team couldn't be more Sean Dyche. It's like Pope, Bardsley, Long, Dunn, Taylor, Westwood, Brownhill, McNeil, Stevens, Vidra, Wood. It's the most Burnley of Burnley teams uh, <laughs> I've, ever, I've ever seen. And it was the most Burnley of Burnley games. Like, thankfully, we don't have to watch Burnley every week because that, if, that's what they're, if that's what they're watching, then it's pretty miserable um, I know they're struggling with injuries and, and they've got kind of key players out like Jay Rodriguez that probably would have caused us problems today. Um, but, I mean, actually, just just on that, the fact that they signed Dale Stevens two days ago and he went straight into their midfield um, and played 90 minutes, I think, speaks volumes to the state of their squad at the moment. Um, but you've still got to go there. You've still got to win. We, we ground it out. Um, and, and like you said, it feels great to have three points um, on the board now after what has been um, a really disappointing start considering where we were at the end of Project Restart. Um, and, and now we can kind of hopefully draw a line under those two performances at Palace and, and Spurs and, and kick on from here. Um, you know that Ralph wanted a reaction from the, the Spurs second half capitulation. Um, and I think he got it. What did you make of the defensive performance in particular? It's like chalk and cheese. So, so much better. I know we're playing against, like you said, a different opposition in Burnley with all their injury concerns, but Vestergaard definitely deserves a shout out. I think you've just mentioned there, Southampton have tweeted their man of the match and he's not even part of the four that you can vote for, which I think is an absolute disgrace because he was... Disgrace. <laughs> it was a disgrace because he was debatably man of the match for me. I thought... He came in, fair play to him. I think he is, you know, I've I've definitely criticised him a lot and I think a lot of Saints fans, Saints fans have criticised him, but speaks volumes to the amount of professionalism that he's got to come into that kind of game where he knows he's not first choice centre-back. He knows that, but when called upon, he can deliver that kind of performance and it was interesting that Jack Stevens got dropped because I think it could have been either him or Bednarak after the performance last week. I would, wasn't really sure, but... Um, you know, I hate to I hate to get too high off one performance because it's only Burnley. But I even saw some Southampton fans saying could be Vestergaard and Salisu that could strike up a partnership. <laughs> you know, I think. Oh my god, it's one game. It's one game, of <laughs> course. But I, I, I'm. You know, I don't think centre backs our strongest position, and I think Jack no. Stevens and Bednarak. I do think you know it's probably going to be Bednarak and Salisu in my opinion that would yeah. strike up the partnership but I don't think it's so out of the question that Bednarak can be dropped because you know he you know he's young as well and he's still learning the game I don't think he's the finished article yet but no I thought Vestergaard was absolutely brilliant today yeah I mean you mentioned there obviously Stevens was the one that was dropped I think Bednarak kind of Ralph's calculation would have been that Bednarak's a better kind of pure defender. Yeah. Um, Stephen has, Stevens has um, parts to his game that Bednarak doesn't, chiefly kind of stepping out from the back and, and picking out a pass. Um, Bednarak doesn't really do that. And when you're playing against Burnley, you need that pure defender in there over someone like Stevens, who's going to kind of be a bit more forward thinking. Um, so that made sense for me. I, like, I think you're spot on with Vestergaard. He was one of probably him and Romeo were the two 
that really stood out to me in terms of performance. And I think you kind of, if you're going into the game and, and you're going to say, okay, we're going to get three points at Burnley, when you're playing Burnley, you need your players like Romeo, yeah. kind of scrappy ball winners to have really good games because you know that's what Burnley's about. Um, so if you're going to compete with them, you need your you need your ball winners, you need your players like Vestergaard who, 6-6, he needs to be winning every header. And, and he did today. Um, and he had a really, really good game. Um, yeah, I was, I was happy to see him come in and play well. Um, Elsewhere on the back line, Kyle Walker-Peters instrumental in the op- in, in the goal that won the game. Um, what did you make of his performance? I thought he was top draw, and I think we spoke about him a lot. What he brings to Southampton going forward is you know something that we haven't had at right back for a long time, I don't think. And you know you put that thread out today about the packing stat, which I'm sure you can uh, explain in a little bit more detail to, than me. But it just shows. The, the incisiveness that he's got in his game and he can pick out that pass that takes three or four defenders out of the game and opens it up. But yeah, he's, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I mean on that, so you, you can check it out on our, on our Twitter page. Um, it was just a bit of analysis um, that, that shout out to Charlie Manga who put that together on Reddit. Um, and then we kind of reproduced it for Twitter, but what basically what it is, is it kind of uh, looks to take into account players that pass forward um, and then kind of gives them extra credit for that versus players that have high pass completions and pass the ball a lot, but don't necessarily move the ball forward. I mean, the aim of the game is to score goals. So it's all well and good completing 100 passes and having 80% pass completion. But if you're passing it sideways and backwards, then it's not particularly useful. So the stat itself looks to kind of give extra points to those who pass it forward. Um, and in, as far as Saints are concerned, Armstrong ranks really, really highly for that. Um, and so does Carl Walker-Peters. And I think it, that makes sense when you watch us as well. He's very, very front foot um, aggressive with his, with his pressing and moving high up the pitch. And today, again, he had the ball in the final third and he picked out the pass that took, took two or three Burnley defenders um, out of the game. And that's what you want to see, really. Um, that's, that's where we can create and be dangerous. He did that against Tottenham. Um, for the opening goal, Danny Ings, it was Walker Peters in that kind of on that right flank, putting the ball over the top into the right channel, and Ings opened the scoring there. And he did it again today, this time for Adams, who mm. then cut back for Ings to make it one nil. Um, so I thought, yeah, I mean, Burnley's a tough game um, for any defender, especially one that's kind of quite small and he's quick. But Burnley's Burnley's strength comes in their physicality and their kind of balls into the box. I thought he coped with it pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then obviously played a crucial role in, in, in the match-winning goal. So I thought he was very, very good. Anyone else that you wanted to to mention? I think Romeo deserves um, a shout-out. Definitely, definitely. We've touched on him, but um, you know he gets his critics for maybe being a little bit too slow and taking too many touches. And last week against Spurs, he got that early booking and just completely you know, ruled him out for the rest of the game and he was off the pace there. But this week, it was so much different. It was the kind of game that suited him. It was very combative and he was getting stuck in. But everything that he did was simple. And everything that he I thought he added a calmness to Southampton's play. When the ball came to him, he wasn't, you know, afraid to... He was always on the half turn. And, you know, he'd give that little bit of a surety to that midfield where he'd pass it to the fullback and pass it to the, you know, the defender and just keep the ball... Um, and I think it was just summed up. Dale Stevens had a chance at the end where the ball fell to the edge of the box. And I was thinking this would be so classic Southampton if this just goes ricocheting into the bottom corner. But it was Oriol Romeo going flying out. 
um, getting the block. So I think that Danny Ings got man of the match on Sky here. I think Romeo was, you know, for me, man of the match. I thought he was brilliant in midfield. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, rem- I can remember what it was a couple of years ago. Was it Ashley Barnes with a 95th minute penalty? I was, it was literally thinking about that game. I was, I've seen this before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were texting during the match and, and kind of after about 60 minutes, we were like, this has 1-1 written all over it. <laughs> um, being the pessimistic Saints fans that we are. Um, and especially the way that we were playing. I mean, second half, we created absolutely nothing until the final couple of minutes where Armstrong who didn't have one of his better games. I thought his, I thought his touch was off um, on several occasions. It just it just wasn't there. Mm. Didn't have one of his best games. And, and he had an opportunity towards the end um, to kind of shift it out to the left. And it, again, it got away from him. And again, he, was, he found himself in the same position um, like a minute or so later in stoppage time. And this time kind of delayed his pass a little bit too long. Ings obviously tucked it away, but he was offside. Um, so yeah, not one of Armstrong's best games, but he's he's crucial to the way that we play. Um, and and yeah, we're we're a much better team when he's when he's playing. Um, that's our first win at Turf Moor. Um, before the game, I was kind of thinking that Turf Moor is sort of like a Goodison Park for us in the sense that we never seem to get a result there. Not quite on Goodison Park levels um, because our last win was under George Burley, three uh, two um, in the Championship. 2006 or 2007, I think that was. Um, they had a couple of opportunities in the second half. Like they didn't create much. What did you make of the um, Chris Wood penalty shout, and then the offside that never, what well, the offside that was given that Burnley were kind of kind of upset that the line put his flag up when he could have let play go on. Well, I mean, firstly, the penalty shout was embarrassing that they even thought that that was anywhere near a penalty. I mean, if that was the other way around, Sean Dyche would be on the pitch picking up that player. So I think for his <laughs> six foot five, Chris Wood centre forward going down like that, I don't think he's got a leg to stand on talking about a penalty there. The other one where it was a marginal call for offside, I, it was poor um, refereeing and poor from the linesman, I think, because they just, the line put his flag up and they're instructed now to wait. And I was saying to you during the game, like Chris Wood did, he flicked it over McCarthy, which he wasn't the strongest there, by the way. He flicked over McCarthy and buried it. But the liner had already put his flag up and the referee had already blew his whistle. So I think, you know, it was very, very lucky there. Although mm-hmm. we did get another angle here in England and he was he was offside. But um, mm-hmm. I thought McCarthy, um, you know, he's he, again, one of those players that's come under a little bit of criticism for his mistakes. But one absolutely brilliant save, I thought, off Taylor, which... Genuinely, you know, you, you look at those kind of saves and you think, would other keepers save that? And Or the question would maybe be, would you be disappointed if it went in? I personally thought that was one where he's done very well to save it because that is travelling at so much pace and there's players in between. Armstrong's just about to block it. That could have flown in. I know it was near post. You can give him a little bit of stick there, but it was. I thought that was an incredible save, just the reactions and... Uh, yeah, I put out a little Instagram story this morning um, just saying, who would you start in goal tonight, um, Fraser or or McCarthy? And it actually got 59% Fraser Forster. So most of the Saints mm-hmm. fans that follow us wanted to see Fraser in goal, but I think McCarthy, that would do his confidence a world of good with that clean sheet. Yeah, it definitely will. I mean, to ship five versus Spurs and the, the kind of nature of the performance in the second half. Um, at St Mary's was just like demoralising so to kind of go to Burnley the next week and get a clean sheet is huge mm. we know what Alex McCarthy is he's 
he's a fantastic shot stopper. I mean, that's, he proved that again today with that save from Charlie Taylor. Um, what he's less good at is the other stuff, whether that's kind of claiming from crosses um, or distribution, um, kind of being on the ball. He, he does make me nervous every time we pass it back to him. Um, and that's with reason because we've seen it before, whether it's in during Project Restart or back earlier last season. He can take risks with the ball at his feet and he's not the best in those sorts of positions. But what I'd say for those that are calling for Forster is that he's no better in those situations. Forster's a big keeper. He's more of a presence than McCarthy. Is he a better shot stopper? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, Celtic fans rave about him, but he lost his confidence with us towards the end of his spell um, the first time, first time around. Um, and he's no better in terms of distribution. I mean, some of his kicking and, um, and throwing out from the back was really, really poor um, before. So I'm not, where do you stand? I, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because McCarthy is kind of not kind of grabbing the number one shirt and making it his own. It's always a question mark because he's always got that mistake in him. Mm. But I just don't see the alternative as coming in um, and answering the questions that we have of McCarthy. So uh, then why do you make the change? Yeah, no, no, I, I don't think I could have put it better myself. That's exactly what I was thinking. The, the weaknesses that McCarthy's has, the weaknesses that he has, you know, they're also the weaknesses of Forster. It's not like we've got a keeper. Well, the keeper that we do have, that's the opposite, is Angus Gunn. That is the that yeah. is the opposite that has that kind of, you know, distribution and confident with the ball at his feet. But you know, yeah, we spoke about that before. But I think I think McCarthy. It was good that. Hasnut was stuck with him because it would have been potentially, you know, really demoralising to drop him after a 5-2 defeat and bring Fraser Forster in who, you know, does well tonight. That could have been the end of McCarthy. So to give him that this extra game today, I think that was important. Yeah, definitely. And a quick word on um, Che Adams. Had the opportunity in a first half where he kind of left foot, kind of spooned it over. It was a tough one. Mm. There's a bit of chat on Twitter again that it's another game without a goal for him um, this season. But uh, there's, there's definite, definite things that I've seen from his three games that make me think that it's only a matter of time before we see the Che Adams that we saw towards the end of last season. Um, there's a stat from Sky that kind of going back again to the end of last season that he's been directly in, involved in four, four goals in his last um, five Premier League games for Saints. That's three goals and one assist. He obviously got the assist today. Um, so he's involved. The, the partnership with, with Ings looks sharp to me. Um, and up front, I have no concerns about this team. I think we're going to score goals. It's, it's at the back where we, we look a little bit more shaky and in midfield where I think we're really light. Um, what, what did you make of Adam's performance today? I thought it was decent. Yeah, I think it's really interesting watching the games. You get a different perspective with the no crowd noise. That's how I prefer to watch it here, just to, especially when Southampton are playing, just to, obviously Ralph is a very, very vocal manager and you hear him just constantly encouraging um, Shay Adams. You hear him shout, yes, Shay, yes, Shay, like so many times throughout the game. And uh, I saw in the post-match interview, he said Shay's assist was magnificent. He's a very important player for us. You know, he's still got full faith in the, set, the player that he signed for 15 million at the start of last season. Yeah. And, you know, that, that partnership's building. And I thought last season, I think it was quite obvious that um, 
Danny Ings preferred playing with Shane Long. I think he, you know, he opened up a lot more space for him, and I think Danny Ings got a, quite a lot, a few more goals when he played with Shane Long. But that assist today, you saw how delighted Ings was when he ran to Shea Adams. Just, you know, that's what he wants in a strike partnership. Someone that's aware. Sometimes Shea Adams has his head mm-hmm. down, and he will just strike through the ball, and that's a missed opportunity. But that level of awareness, I thought, was really, really encouraging. That he didn't even have a look, but he just knew where he was going to be. So, you know, that bodes well going forward. I think. Definitely. I mean, I think Ralph, like you said, he really rates him. We, he, there was, I think there's been plenty of opportunities where he could have left us, yeah. either permanently, Leeds, or on loan or something. I mean, it really didn't look like it was working out um, kind of in the middle of last season. Um, but Ralph stuck with him and we, we read the, the rewards during Project Restart and, and it's been a bit of a slower start now, but I think that's just because the expectations have gone higher for him. Um, but I like what I see with, with Adams and Ings up front. Um, one thing, one final thing I wanted to touch on before we discuss um, West Brom next is Gineppo, who was obviously in for injured Nathan Redmond, picked up an injury against Brentford. Um, it didn't seem like it was too bad, so it'll be interesting to see. I've not heard anything whether he'll be back um, for West Brom or maybe we'll just keep him out because we've got the international break after that and just make sure that he's he's fully right for for when football returns then. Um, but this was a big, big opportunity for Gineppo with, with Redmond being out injured and he didn't take it. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. I thought, you know, it was, it was both on and off the ball. I think you tweeted it today. It was this, when he was on the ball, what you want from Gineppo is to really attack the full back. And he was having a bit of a battle with Phil Barzi. I think they clattered each other a few times. But Barzi was on a yellow card. There's a few, there's a few times when... Brian Birchman passed the ball out to Musa Gineppo and you're thinking, run at him. You're 22 years old, you've got rapid pace and he's Phil Bardsley. You can potentially <laughs> potentially get this lad sent off here. or you know. But he was just always going back. And I think that was, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a confidence issue or maybe it was the, you know, the occasion mm. or a bit of inexperience from him. But I don't think he was attacking the fullback enough. And off the ball, his positioning, it just seemed like he was closing up space a little bit. When the ball came out to Bertrand, you want him to hug the touchline I just think that there wasn't that link-up play that you, you usually get with um, with Birchland and Redmond on that side. So, yeah, I agree with you. He didn't take his chance. I thought he was one of our best players against against Spurs, although there weren't many. I thought he was very good. But, yeah, I was, I was hopeful that he was going to show a little bit more tonight. Just, like, echoing that, really. There was, there was occasions where the ball would come out to him because in the first half, particularly, Danny Ings was picking up space, like in between the midfield and defence, and then like turning. And you'd be like, okay, this is a fantastic opportunity for either slip in Che Adams, or you have Armstrong on the right, or, or probably the best option would be Gineppo because of his pace and his dribbling ability. Switch out to Gineppo and let him get out the fullback. And the ball would go out to him, and it happened a couple of times. And he'd just kind of wait on the ball for Bertrand to make the overlap, mm. pass it to Bertrand, and then kind of tuck in behind him. Mm. And it's like, that's not your game. Like, you should be on the front foot. You should be driving into the box. There's no point. I mean, it's defensively sound, but I mean, we're 1 we're 0 up. We're looking for a second goal. And he just kept on playing it to Bertrand and then tucking him behind him and then recycling possession. Um, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a performance that's, that said to me that he's lacking a, a, a bit of confidence, I think. Um, it would be interesting to see. As mentioned, we've got West Brom up next. I mean, they've started the season pretty poorly. They were 3-0 up against Chelsea today um, and drew 3-0. Uh, 
it's a, it's an opportunity for us again. I think to to um, to get another three points. Really, um, what are you thinking ahead of the West Brom game? Well, I mean, I think this this result tonight was so important. I'm a little bit more relaxed going into this West Brom game now, knowing that we've got three points on the board. If we had lost tonight, going to that West Brom game, I'd be thinking this is already one of the biggest games in recent years because we can't go into that international break, you know, back of four defeats. But I think just looking at, I watched West Brom tonight um, against Chelsea, and I was just thinking, if if you could combine. If they, for example, if they had Danny Ings and then they've got in behind Pereira and Diangana, that's they mm. need a Danny Ings, and I think we almost need a Diangana or a Pereira. So I was, I, I just I, when I was watching them, I was thinking that a combination of our two going forward would be brilliant because they've got Callum Robinson up front who he scored two against Chelsea, but they were absolutely embarrassing at the back. He got gifted those goals. Um, he's not gonna. He's not gonna score you that many goals. I don't think in the Premier League. So, you know, they're they're a decent team, and I think those two are the danger men. Really, I think they've got so much ability um, in that attacking midfield position. So, I think it's going to be a big, big job for, you know, wh- whether we bring in a new player in, you know, the week coming up to that game. I doubt he'd throw him straight in. So, probably Romeo to deal with those attacking midfielders, and then, you know, I think mm-hmm. there's a there's a big, you know, job task on to to quieting them on the day yeah I mean fantastic to get the win today but it was not the sort of performance that makes you think oh maybe we'll be okay if we don't sign anybody no. it was still the case this 100% we need um, a midfielder to come in um, maybe someone in an attacking like to replace well not to replace but as another option um, in the attacking midfield positions to kind of rotate in with Gineppo Armstrong Redmond um, maybe another person there um, if anything, just to make our bench a little bit stronger, because I don't think Ralph has kind of full faith in our in our options off the bench. He brought on Abafemi and Nathan Teller today, um, which I think kind of speaks volumes. I mean, we're one nil up at Burnley. That's a big, big position to put Nathan Teller uh, into um, in one of his kind of first Premier League um, appearances, or very, very early on in his Premier League c- career. That's a tough ask. And he did look nervous when he came on. Um, so I don't think Ralph has full faith in our options off the bench. So a couple of bodies would be, um, yeah, they're, they're much, much needed between now and the transfer deadline, which again, I keep losing track of when it is. I know it's October. October um, 5th, some point I think. October. October 5th. Okay, so not a huge amount of time um, to get them in. But... Yeah, I mean, well, they're what, not, sorry, what yeah, I would say on. just on that, because... We brought on Nathan Teller, like you said, we brought on Obafemi and just thinking about who, what players are missing from there. Are, are we missing any players from injury or something? But Buffal's one that is, yeah. you know, he'd usually be on the bench and we'd bring him on, but I think he hasn't got a future at Southampton anymore. I think he's... Doesn't sound like it, no. No, it doesn't sound like it. So when you're saying about bringing in, when Ralph said mid- midweek about bringing in two or three faces, if, if we're offloading... Sofian Buffal, I think one of them has to be another attacking midfielder. I don't think we can continue the whole season with Redmond that, you know, does miss large parts of the season with injury, has done in previous seasons. Moussa Gineppo, like we saw tonight, is not full of confidence. And then Nathan Tello, who's playing his third Premier League game. So I think we definitely need to bring in another body if Buffal is going gonna, is gonna to leave. Right. Well, we'll end on a positive. Fantastic to get three points. Um, and on to West Brom next uh, definitely be targeting another three points 
there and then we go into the international break um, hopefully uh, full of confidence after a little bit of a sticky start to the season Jack thank you very much for joining me thank you to everybody for listening um, we'll chat after West Brom game sounds good Pat speak to you then